0: Welcome back to Jokermen. We're just in the middle of discussing the great and legendary Slane show at Slane Castle in Slane, Ireland. Slane. With none other than a real genuine Irishman and a great talent, the singer and songwriter Kian Nugent. Kian was actually just in the middle of an incredible story. A genuine close encounter of the Zimmy kind. So let's catch up with him
1: right. my girlfriend at the time was working she worked worked in um movie production and she got this this job that was like top secret as to what it was we kind of we kind of figured out in advance of it like i think it might be a bob Dylan thing but you know that's kind of too cool for the for you know it's kind of too good to be true so i sort of said to her like on the on the off chance that it is like can you get me I, I kind of need a job on that. Like, can you get me some sort of a role doing anything like kind of sweep up afterwards or, you know, kind of do something there. And she was like, well, they, yeah, it, it, it turns out that it is. And they need like roadies to come and unload the, um, move the like equipment out of the trucks and stuff. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. You know, I'm gonna, you know, I have, I have to be there basically. And, um, so I came and I, you know, 6 a.m. out in the middle of nowhere unpacking trucks. And um, we brought in, like, the, there was, like, a costume woman who had all of his um, his clothing in, like, this big, you know, flight case. Mm-hmm. And uh, the halls were kind of narrow in this place. And it um, she was like, okay, we're going to have to open this thing up and get it into, into his dressing room. And I was h- helping her bring it into his dressing room. And it was like just all of his like uh, stage clothes, all of his like fancy shirts and suits and stuff. Just like Western finery. And um, I remember like it smelled like, um, like it just was this kind of like, just this like famous smell. It was just this kind of like, what is that? I've never smelled this smell before. It's it's the (laughs) smell of Bob Dylan. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Some sort of like, you know, like a cologne that he's had personally made or something. Incredible, and uh, his um, I had to like go and buy things for his rider. Buy some uh, his rider was very modest, very simple. He wanted like uh, on alternating days, a bottle of white wine and a bottle of red wine. Okay, very sort of nice, very tasteful. Damn, uh, nothing too crazy, very tasteful. Um, and uh, yeah, it was was kind of a lot of waiting around, you know, as these sort of shoot things tend to be. But at at one point, there was like. Maybe like I spied in the distance, like maybe like a hundred yards away, like a figure with like a ginormous hood on, and, like a <laughs> scarf, a scarf like wrapped around the outside of the hood. <laughs> he loves the hoods. Like it was like it was like the most uh, in disguise person I've ever seen. <laughs> maybe sunglasses as well. And I was like, from you know, like could barely see this figure. I was like that's Bob Dylan over there that is clearly Bob Dylan <laughs> you know it's like that kind of like when somebody is in disguise you realize it you know draws attention to them
2: right yeah that's clearly not three children standing on each other's shoulders in a trench coat
1: <laughs> yeah and uh i had this kind of crazy like experience of like being like that's 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 bob dylan and not only is that bob dylan that's like the same bob dylan that they've always had you know that's the, the yes. same guy this is the one that they had in, like, 1961. The one that they had in 1966. The one that they had in Slain. <laughs> you know? It's, like, it's just weird that he's still the same person. I know exactly what you mean. He really does feel like a, like a
2: living piece of his... Like, it's so incredible that it is... It's the guy from the very beginning of all of this. Like, literally the start of rock and roll, basically. Still the same guy. The same two feet walking around, wearing hoods, completely... 100% noticeable even in his deep disguise.
1: Yeah. So then they like, they set up the show kind of like they were doing a live show. Um, the director was, the director was, um had this idea like, okay, we'll just sort of shoot it like it's a live show. They had everybody set up really far apart and um, then Bob came in after, you know, there's like hours of people setting up and doing lights and all this kind of thing. Bob comes in and he's just kind of like, nah, we're gonna do something else. We're not. We're not having this. We're doing something different. And then it was like, okay, we have to do something different. Um, and so they kind of like, you know, the whole band setup was changed drastically, and they ended up like just kind of playing acoustic guitars, like all in on top of each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was like this, like tied in on on top of each other, kind of. Um, it was like the full band, but like double bass, and the drummer. The drummer may have been playing some sort, of, you know, it was very like stripped down kind of a thing. And um, we were like under strict instructions that like nobody is to go in there. This is like a closed set. But I was having this like experience of like, this is Bob Dylan and like, I'm here. I kind of can't, I kind of need to like see <laughs> something here. Um, and I was kind of like, well, maybe if I just like sort of sneak in at the back, like it was like a big sound stage. I was sort of like, if I come in on the back and just like, you know I'm not going to get in anybody's way I'm just kind of like peek in and hear a little bit um and uh they as I went in they were doing girl from the north country which was you know beautiful rendition it was very intimate and very like it had that sort of sense of like when when Bob cultivates magic you know mm. it can kind of it cannot happen or it can happen and it was sort of happening at this moment when I went in mm. um and this was like after the end, at the end of a very long day. And they were re- it was, it was a pretty, pretty mind blowing experience to see this, like, you know, the Bob Dylan still the same one doing like a song from his early catalog and kind of like engaging with it, you know, like a, an active way. And, um, and then the whole thing was running way over time. And eventually he kind of, uh, they finished and he said like, okay, thanks everybody, um, you know, she so stepped forward and he just sort of said this, like, thank you. And I was like, whoa, weird. He's like, Bob Dylan's thanking me. And he's thanking, like, everybody that's here. He's thanking all the, it's like, whoa, crazy. And then I was like, okay, I've got to get out of the way because I don't want to, like, you know, get in anybody's way, you know? And uh, so I, like, went out the back door that I had come in and was sort of walking down this little alleyway that was like along the side, the side of the soundstage. And then, uh, then Bob comes out of like the front door of the sets the soundstage <laughs> and like comes like down the alleyway, the other direction. And I'm like, Oh, oh shit. Like I'm, I'm like, I could, I couldn't like, you know, uh, there was no turning around. I was like, I'm going to have to just walk past him. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and so I was like, we had, you know, I just sort of basically was walking, I don't know, maybe like, you know, five feet past him and I was kind of, I was like, this is my like experience of like walking past Bob Dylan. And I'm going to have to like, you know, I sort of feel, feel like a need to like express my, my appreciation and like, sure. like, respect for him. But I'm also like very aware that he doesn't want people bothering him. Like, <laughs> so I like just did this like very tiny, like almost imperceptible, like little head nod that was just this kind of like, <laughs> like, Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for your work, sir.
0: Everything uh, just into one tiny just like, motion. Just, like,
1: just this little tiny like, thank you. Um didn't say a thing. Just sure. this like little, you know, body language, like almost, almost not body language. Um and uh he gave me this like almost imperceptible response that was like this really like I know, but don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was and I was kind of like yeah, you know, I got you. I'm not going to, you know, I get it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to start doing anything weird. I'm not going to like tell you that you matter to me. Don't worry. Um, And so I just had to, I gave it this, just this, just this tiny little thank you for what you've done. And he gave me this, look, I've been Bob Dylan for a long time. I don't need anybody telling me that I'm Bob Dylan. I don't need anybody asking anything of me. Um, but yeah, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. kind of a a little interaction. It was like a non interaction, but it was sort of weird. <laughs> how it was like, well, this was this was my uh, my time sharing this... sp- a little little piece of space with Bob Dylan. Incredible!
0: That's incredible.
1: It, I mean, you it kind of it was incredible in as much as it also was like a non event.
0: You did the right thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you—you you, gotta—you—you—you you, do not know how you're gonna react in those situations. You're like, I don't <laughs> want to embarrass myself, but I also have to like, just express something. <laughs> yeah, I—I
2: I can't even imagine like what I would do in that situation. We we would all do
0: hopefully uh, as you we did. should also.
2: We should all be so lucky to be as cool and chill as you were in that. Yeah, geez, that that
0: is such a that is that's like the real test. That, that is a true test from God of like, how are you going to be? Are you going to be chill? Or are you going to be, are you going to be a ham?
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he also like just the vibe that he gives off. You're like, you can you, you couldn't, you couldn't um, yeah. bother him. It just would, it would be so inappropriate. It's so clear that you're like. Cosmically inappropriate.
0: Yeah. It would be sacrilege.
1: And you're just kind of—it's just—it's—it's it's clear that the man needs needs a space. He's got Can to devote his energy him? to what he's doing. He he hasn't got time for people that are going to tell him that he saved their life or oh. you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever
2: they're going to say. Yeah, you, you are the reason that I am doing everything I'm doing in my life, and didn't make any other choices along the way. Oh. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's been—you know—people was so like. 1967 or so people were like breaking into his house in Woodstock yeah. asking, oh, yeah. like what should we do Bob like what what's the next step in culture you know it's a me- it's a it's, uh, perfectly understandable that the man needs to be left alone yeah needs to have a little distance
2: between himself and uh and the rest of the world Ima- yeah just imagine the like the pressure of that it's like a 20 that's just been constant since like 25 years old like he's gone through like a lifetime like younger I mean he
1: what was was the free will and he was what like 22 23
2: 21 yeah 21 22 something like that
1: and that's when people started kind of freaking out about him right Jesus you know he played that thing that he played the like the March on Washington with like Martin Luther King and stuff he's mm-hmm. like 22 or or 23 or whatever like a real like a little a little kid um. So it's—I mean—it's a miracle that he's still doing anything, really. Yeah. Let, let alone putting out one of his best records of his career last year. Spectacular! You're—you're right? you're a rough and rowdy fan. Oh yeah, big time! One of his best. Absolutely beautiful. What's totally. what's, uh, what's your favorite on there? I—I'm a big fan of a. Uh, I go through—I mean, I go through some phases with it, mm. but um, I really like "Goodbye Jimmy Reed." Sure. You think that's a good one? Some funny lyrics on there. Yeah, I can spot a proddy from a mile away. Indeed, yeah. You know, <laughs> he reads, he reads the Irish experience. <laughs> uh, I also like. Um, I never pandered. I never never um, acted
0: proud. Never
1: acted proud. I never took yeah. off my shoes and threw them into the crowd. Yeah. I like that uh, that image of somebody taking off their shoes and throwing them into the crowd.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what he means. Yeah, when he says that. It's more about like. I've never been a fucking Ponce, as the they say in the United Kingdom. I've never been a fucking idiot.
1: Yeah, he's he's kept a he's kept some dignity to what he's doing.
0: Some, yeah, yeah, you that yeah. you could say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, um, Possibly well, yeah, the it's most. A, it's a great dignified. record. The whole thing. What's your like a uh, closet favorite? Like, what's your secret? Uh, your your secret heart's desire, like the Dylan record you find defending more often than not. Maybe one that is not everybody's top of the list.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Um
0: one that you just have a connection with that like goes beyond its general popularity.
2: Not even a one that you defend necessarily. Like for me, yeah. the, the answer to that would be like Nashville skyline, which doesn't have detractors. You're sentimental that I'm defending, favorite, but you know. just like I I just can't get you know, it can't get enough of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the first one I heard was Blood on the Tracks, which you know, um, famous as it is, the, there's always a soft spot there for that one. Um, right. Then I mean the 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 trio in the mid '60s you know um bringing it all back home highway 61 and blonde on blonde I think right. maybe uh, if i had to if i had to just have one bob dylan record that i that i was dealing with blonde on blonde might might um i mean i know that these are real fan favorites but <laughs> i like uh i also like street legal a lot there you go
0: I that's what street i'm legal. trying to Hell i'm yeah. trying to get to the one that is maybe a little bit harder to love you know that Street you,
2: legal fantastic Changing of the guards alone is just... Changing like of the guards is great.
0: You know, I'm, I was kind of uh, uh, wondering why there's no... Is there any street legal on slain? Not a one.
1: No, that's I a, mean... That's a shame. He's not so far away from it.
0: That's true. Maybe he hasn't totally uh, in- figured out a way to incorporate it yet.
2: I mean, he's completely at Slain, like, discarded the last decade of his career, basically. Yeah. All the way back to to, uh, um, Blood on the Tracks, you know, nine, I guess, nine years before in 75. Yeah. There's no no Christian shit at all. There's one song from uh, Shot of Love, which we'll get to. uh, Right. Great song. Uh, but besides that, no Christian shit, no street legal, no desire. It's just like yeah. I mean, I'm classics. I'm looking
0: at the the track list right now. You, you you got you got Masters of Slain. You got Ballad of a Slain Man. You've got Every <laughs> Slain of Sand. You got or Every Grain of Slain. Every yeah, Slain like, of Slain, like a Rolling Slain. You have with Slain on our side. You have Simple Twist of Slain.
1: Yeah, have you Have you guys came ac- come across there? There was an interview between um, Bono and Bob Dylan that was done on the day. Yeah, and Van Morrison. And Van Morrison. When yep. he
0: introduces Bono on this, he says Bono, or did Bono I hear that Bono from U two, yeah, yeah. That that must have been like a slight uh, dig at him. Bono I just from U two,
1: was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess Bono was a pretty a pretty young artist at the time.
2: Yeah, you definitely. two
1: were a new band. Yeah,
2: because this was '84, right? And the first U two record was '1980. Um. Right. So it had. Yeah, they'd only been around for a few. This was, and this was before even they had ever worked with Eno. Unforgettable Fire, I think, was the first Eno record. He actually, mm-hmm. Eno was trying to foist Daniel Lanois off on them because he didn't want to produce a rock band. Um. But okay. um. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's you funny because uh, you know there's Lanois and Eno as a kind of a. It's a pretty heavy hitting team to to yeah, the yeah. record.
0: Well, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you two became like the biggest band in the world, uh, considering like who was as producing soon as they them. started working with them. yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, today is release day for a Daniel Lanois album, "Heavy oh, Sun." Daniel Lanois oh. new uh, record, uh, new, a record that he's you. the artist, his of? own yeah, his own music. Oh. It's uh, it's called "Heavy Sun." Came out today. You Got some fresh Lanois in the mix. Nice. Um, another thing we haven't really talked about yet. Uh, is that there's a certain special guest who means a lot to me who's <laughs> on this, uh, who, who's at
2: Slane. And probably I, means a lot to the entire nation of Ireland.
0: I would I would assume, but... Marlo uh, Santana? <laughs> <laughs> the, the same. You know, uh, I'm talking about um, Van Morrison. Uh, he's here. The one and only.
1: Yeah, Van, Van the Man.
0: He's in the building, in the castle.
1: In the cut. Yeah, and they they do um, a pretty a pretty believable version of uh, "It's All Over Now, Baby Blue" with mm-hmm. no
0: thanks to Dylan, who fucks up the lyrics very badly. Uh, he do,
1: he, end, he gets a little a uh, little lost in his own song. Yeah. Yep.
0: <laughs> but of course, uh, Van is in great voice, which I, I have to say he still is. He sounds terrific. I, I've become a on huge... his recent
1: anti-lockdown albums that he's been oh, releasing. I, it I it haven't was, checked them out myself.
0: I mean, he's got a whole double album uh, coming out like in a month or two. And uh, it's like 28 tracks. It's volume one. It's called <laughs> right, latest, man. latest record project volume. Fantastic. one. I've become just a real, uh, helpless van head, uh, van over Stan. the last year or so, um, it's become huge for me. And I really especially love his eighties stuff. And an 84 here is a great year for, for van music. Um,
1: what, what what record was he on then?
0: The '84 record for Van was "A Sense of Wonder," which I have here on vinyl. Uh, incredible record cover, where it's like a uh, very impish-looking Van peeping through like dense aut- autumnal foliage um, with a hat on. Uh, that that's a great record as well. Has uh, "Tore Down" a la Rambo. You've got uh, the master's eyes, uh, a sense of wonder. The title track, "Ancient of Days," terrific stuff. But uh, Kian, I was just curious do you do you share this uh, enthusiasm?
2: Evan's desperately looking for anyone yeah. who also likes Van Morrison as much as he it's, does. It's I'm- the
0: loneliest thing in my life. Literally, like no, it's it's just so desolate out there for a Van man i mean yeah i'm
1: a i'm a fan of uh i'm a van fan i but i i probably haven't strayed too far past maybe i think maybe veden fleece yeah Uh, yeah that was maybe one of the later ones that i got into um
0: matt farley also was like i love veden fleece but i don't like i don't know the 80s stuff i would just i would recommend to you to listen to uh some of the eighties output, especially the early eighties stuff, like, um, uh, beautiful vision and, uh, common one.
1: Common. Oh yeah. I think I've listened to common, one. common
0: one with, with summertime in England.
1: Yeah. Great, that's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. 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 I mean, Van Marsen is, uh, my mother is a big Van Morrison fan. So growing up, um, she was, uh, playing some, I mean, Ast- Astral Weeks was, uh,
0: Regular I mean, immortal player, immortal record, yeah,
1: of course, great record. Um, and uh, Van is so very has, familiar to me.
0: Van Morrison has uh, called Bob Dylan the greatest poet of our generation. Uh, I believe
1: he's not wrong. They, they, they seem to have a funny kind of a friendship, really, don't they? They're um
0: they have a mutual respect, it seems. Yeah,
1: yeah. That it almost, in a way, it kind of feels like Van Morrison's older than Bob Dylan. He's kind of got the the kind of uh the He's so known um, he faced
0: He is younger a little bit. He's only yeah, He'd 70. be considerably younger, He's I think. 75, and Dylan is 79.
2: Jeez, yeah, he does strike me for some reason
1: just as like an older... I mean, that's weird.
2: You it's know, he started with,
1: with them in the mid-60s, you know? He, right. was like a, he was really young then. He was like 18, 19. And they do a so, great cover of Baby Blue. At, yeah. as a
2: them record that then Beck ended up sampling later on odalay Uh, that, yeah, that's, that's a fantastic song anyways.
1: Yeah. And the, the, their version of it's all over now, big baby, baby blue kind of became like a, a kind of a blueprint for a lot of other people to do it at the time, you know, right. The, the the do a version that's very similar. The birds do a version. Well, I, I don't
0: the know. Dead, if people, obviously did the birds do a version. I just know that the birds like did, um, a lot of Dylan covers. Like they, I, I wonder if that came first of, of, Van's version of it Must Have He was probably one of the first to like do a well-known cover version of a of Dylan.
1: Yeah, that's a I hadn't thought about that. That's a kind of a you do think of the birds as being the first okay. band to do sort of electric versions.
0: Yeah, but it's Van first, huh? That must we'd have, to, uh, we'd right? have to pull I, up the years, but
1: should... they're both about what 65, 66? The bird, what yeah, guess. no, no, no. You, you guys are totally right. The
2: birds' version came out in 69, so okay, the yeah. them version I think came out in 65 or 66, hmm.
1: right? But, but in terms of like the birds doing, you know, I mean, they did Mr. Tambourine Man, that's maybe 65, 66, oh, right? Right, right, yeah, and like turn, turn, that? turn, and turn, yeah, um, yeah, that was 65. And then, well, there's so yeah, many funny pictures
0: of Van out there.
1: Iconic, <laughs> yeah. The Van version is a uh, '66, so yeah, they're maybe a little bit behind the birds in terms of doing doing Dylan songs. But um, yeah, I mean, the Bob Dylan songs are funny, and how when you hear somebody else doing them, sometimes you realize how how poppy they are.
2: Yeah. They turn into totally
1: different songs. The same, I think some, to a certain degree, I've been, I think sometimes the Rolling Stones, when you hear somebody else do the Rolling Stones songs, Mm -hmm. they sort of take on a certain weight, that maybe. Yeah. um, Yeah. It's the opposite effect as, as
0: Dylan, where like when other people cover Dylan, you're like, Oh, this is just like a pop tune. And yeah, the stones, like if someone else, I don't know that there's a good cover out there of, um, out of time but that song's pretty fucking heavy well oh, there
1: actually there is a good cover of that is it um by um
0: wait i think i know what you're about to say but i don't recall his name
1: by del Shannon
0: yes that's right
2: wait del yeah. Shannon like the like the like the white bat
1: like the beach surf guitar guy the 50s guy yeah Del Shannon um he made a record in the late 70s with the heartbreakers as his backing band, the tom, tom petty's band. Damn. Yeah, tom petty produced the record, I think. Wow. And it's a great record. I I bought it in like a
0: 81. Yeah.
1: 81. Okay, so it's even it's in the 80s.
0: Drop down and get me by Del Shannon. Incredible album cover cuz it looks like something from 61. Like the the cover almost has this like it's got like a very throwback vibe in a way.
1: Um, It's a, yeah, I remember I bought that record just on a whim in a, uh, like a, what we call a charity shop, um, what thrift store thrift stores. Yeah. Um, and it was maybe like a, you know, a $2 record and I bought it just on a whim in LA and then listened to it in a friend's house. I think we were, you know, drinking a beer or two and got this real sense of like, is this is this really good or am I just, you know, kind of getting a little <laughs> lit here? And uh, it's, I think, I think it turns out that record is really good. Jesus. There's a great version of um, Out of Time on there. I think Out of Did
0: Time you- is one of the, it's it's a truly great song. And I, uh, I actually have a theory that it's a little bit like the Stones' answer to Like a Rolling Stone, because thematically they're very similar. Like they're both about right. this woman who the the narrator is kind of like maybe cruelly sort of mocking or like demeaning because of her like foolishness and frivolity. Um, Yeah. So it's a little
1: immature in terms of the theme. Yeah.
0: It's, it's just a little, it's a little intense. It seems to be about somebody who the narrator does not care for at all. Has no sympathy for kind of a
1: a revenge song.
0: Yeah, but, but that's also what gives it. I think it's uh, it's power. It, it just feels like, well, you're fucked. Has a. I mean, it it goes so far as to basically be like, the next logical thought. How does it feel? <laughs> Which is yeah. <laughs> you don't and know the, what's uh, going on. You've been away from. You know, it says it literally says you're obsolete now, baby. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm listening um, to the Del
0: Shannon version now. It's it's really good.
1: Yeah, the um, Towns Van Zandt version of um, "Dead Flowers" as well. That's a that's a great. um, Takes on a kind of a weight that the Stones version doesn't necessarily have.
0: Yeah, that is a really interesting observation about the Stones. That they're when they get covered, it feels like. Damn. I Because I, when you listen to a Stone song as they play it, you're not like attuned to be like, okay, I'm going to ready myself to absorb the lyrics.
1: Yeah, there's something really interesting going on here. Yeah, there's something about mixed delivery. You know, he's a great rock and roll singer, but he doesn't tend to convey a lot of pathos right? Um, in his singing. And you kind of just assume that the lyrics are sort of like fluffy with Mick you're not really you're not hearing you're not expecting to hear good lyrics maybe right. they're
0: um they're sort of uh deep by accident type of thing it's like an unconscious type of like, I mean even like uh Sympathy for the Devil is a pretty enigmatic and um weighty song in its own way yeah there, there's a whole film about them making that song actually yeah uh, the
1: Jean-Luc Godard film with that's the- right Very long takes,
0: little known, um, French independent filmmaker, (laughs) yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, and then there's the you know, we're digressing here, but there's also the um, the Grand Parsons version of Wild Horses, which for me is the definitive cut of uh, Wild Horses.
2: I gotta do, you guys are putting me into shame on this. I gotta do my homework on the stones more. That's the one that just like you know, I've heard the hits and stuff, but I haven't. Haven't done done my homework to the extent that I should. I saw one of those like Twitter posts one time that's like one has to go <laughs> Beach Boys, Bob, Beatles, Rolling Stones. I remember your me, answer.
0: It was stones.
2: Yeah, it was stones.
0: Beach Boys, Bob, Beatles, Stones. That's tough. I mean Well, you gotta don't pick a,
2: you gotta pick a team. You one, have to pick one, one has, to, you can only have 3 one of them has to be eliminated. You have to oh, you got to get rid of one. one. Okay. Yeah. I
0: think that you made maybe the right choice there but it's tough because the Stones is so important. It's like taking out a load-bearing wall.
2: Honestly, the the other one that I would hear an argument for is the Beatles. I, I would not but hear taking, anything taking for away Bob the Beatles. or the Beach Boys. Well, you know the, the you, Beatles. You would remove
1: the Beatles? I
2: would I would remove the Stones, but if you're going to remove a second one if I had to take one more out, I'm, the two I'm keeping are the Beach Boys and Bob. I have to say, okay. uh, I agree. Uh, Maybe that's the American in me. You know, it's I mean, worth noting the-
0: here, though, that the Beatles only made Sergeant Pepper's at, because they wanted to top Pet Sounds. So, just going to leave that right there.
1: And I mean, I think arguably Dylan only went electric because he wanted to match the Beatles.
0: That's true.
1: That's a good point.
0: That's a good point.
1: You know, I think it's all about that I would I think you can if I'm gonna get if I'm gonna get crazy here
0: where we're doing
1: hot takes here, you can get rid of the Rolling Stones, you can get rid of the Beach Boys. And if you keep that access of Bob Dylan and the Beatles, right, you've still got
0: Yeah, you've still true. got
1: everything else. Right in a sense. You know? It all comes from one of those two.
0: That's kind of true. And it and comes it- from
2: the, the confluence of them in a way. Right, and the way they kind of like interact with one another and the way they kind of bounce off one another oh
0: yeah the Bob boys and the Beetles
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean um, he he kind of for you know uh, sort of provoked them to get a little more serious and they kind of provoked him to get a little more fun right mm. and in that they kind of both like reach a sort of new height
0: that's totally true yeah that makes sense. And uh, that new height is, you know, not seen anywhere as as gloriously and as as brilliantly as at at Slane in 1984.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's pre- like, it's kind of like the, the the Beatles fronted by Bob Dylan, really, as well.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, I don't even know where we are in Slane here, but. Um,
2: I think we were, uh, you know, uh, we're somewhere in s- the middle of the acoustic period. I think. Oh, yeah, Slayin
0: is it's, just it's it's the jumping off point for a, a larger conversation, and that
2: it's a it's and it's two and a half hours long. I don't I don't know that we can uh, can devote quite as much time to each and every track here as uh, we did like with Isla White with uh, Steve when it's just a nice clean sixty seventy five minutes and Bob is out. Um, Maybe the real
0: slain is the slain that we slain along the slain.
2: There you go. (laughs) Um, uh, The one song I think that uh, was interesting to me before we get to kind of the conclusion is... uh, The Times They Are Slanging. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is every grain of slain. Right. Um, Every slain of sand. Every every slain of slain. Uh, (laughs) The conclusion to Shot of Love, uh, and really a fantastic song. Shot of Um, Slain.
0: I, I I hope you're not like totally um confused by our like uh, bullshit uh, king because so we <laughs> we've been at this for a while. I think the thing that really set it off was there's a YouTube video that I saw that was uh, of slain naturally, and it was titled um, "It's All Right, Slain," <laughs> which is just like in this long tradition of these terrible like fan made bootleg releases and videos on youtube where dylan fans just uh continually impress us and and the world with their their gift of wordplay
1: yeah um, almost and, as uh, if it was penned from the man himself yeah and following in the footsteps of the master
0: <laughs> that's right um and and so i think that it really just it lit up our imaginations and we've been at this lane game for a long time now
1: it's taken us this far yeah um one thing that i that i came across that which is uh, maybe another digression so you may have to rein me in here but it's Please. interesting in that um kind of referring to what we were speaking about earlier in the interview between bono and bob dylan when they're they're discussing that kind of immediately i guess bono is in the um he's in the record production mode you know they're making the unforgettable fire at the time, right? And he is. Um, they're discussing the 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 recording process, and uh, it's kind of funny how even at the time they're they don't they're not really so hot on like the sound of the 80s. <laughs> they're both kind of like agreeing that like records don't sound very good these days, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know the the
2: section you're talking about where he's like talking about Knopfler and Bob is just like in the old days they used to just cut the record. We we didn't fuck yeah, around, now, the studio. and now
0: we're like sitting in the studio just for four days trying to get the drum sound.
1: Yeah, I like he says, um, um, that in in the that stopped happening in the in the late '60s. He said, I noticed the big change. Now you go into a studio. They've got rugs on the floors, settees, and pinball machines and videos <laughs> and sandwiches covering it coming every 10 minutes. <laughs> it's a big expensive party. And you're lucky with you come out. If you're lucky, if you come out with anything decent. Um, and, that was you know, the problem. Just,
0: That's the problem with Dylan in the eighties. They were just bringing too many sandwiches into the too middle of sandwiches. sandwiches. Every
1: 10 minutes, he's got a sandwich.
0: <laughs> That's way too many. You're not I hungry. Mean, you can hear
1: those, the excess of sandwiches <laughs> on those records. <laughs>
0: absolutely i mean you can you can tell that you know you have one sandwich and you're full basically you're good and then they come at you with another sandwich and then you have to do another song after that i mean certain records of dylan's in the 80s infidels honestly sounds like there's a sandwich after every two songs
1: (laughs) (laughs) or it even sounds like there's like a pile of sandwiches that have been brought into the room mid-take that he's kind of looking at and going (laughs) I don't I can't eat any more sandwiches.
0: But you have to, you know, they've been paid for, they've been bought and paid for. They're coming
2: every 10 minutes. You can't just let them pile up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like Tetris, like you have to
0: just finish you off the bottom layer. <laughs> so that you can keep making songs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and um interestingly, Infidels was his first record that was cut all digitally.
0: Right. That yeah. makes sense. Very early digital Recording technology it does kind
1: of have that sort of uh, slightly weird sound, very it's like shiny, kind of glassy, yeah, or crystalline yeah. or something.
0: Standing on the water, yeah. yeah.
1: But great rhythm that... section on there,
0: terrific, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, is it cultural appropriation, infidels? I'm not sure.
0: Well, of Israeli culture, you mean <laughs> no, Israeli culture, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, like <a> neighborhood bully. <laughs> But then Bono goes on to talk about this is the part that kind of that raised an eyebrow for me as he talks he starts talking about Connie Plank. And he says, Connie Plank, who produced Makeham and Clancy um, and some other traditional Irish bands mm-hmm. and orchestral stuff. And funnily enough, a lot of the new electronic groups, DAF, Ultravox and so on. But he that's how he thinks of Connie Plank, like the guy who produced all the Krautrock records. Oh, like all the he produced like an ultra box with uh,
0: with John Fox, right?
1: John Fox. Yeah,
0: I, I like it's John funny. Fox underpass and uh, all those great hits that we all know. You know, every household name, John Fox. <laughs>
1: yeah. But it's funny that this is how Bono. I mean, I've always kind of wondered about that, about with you 2 and the kind of the influence of Krautrock. Yeah. You know, well, they've kind of got that, uh, you know. Manuel Gotching sort of guitar sound sometimes. Mm.
0: It it's comes across way more in their texture than in their actual music and their playing it and this, their sonics and their sound, I think is more indebted to that stuff than actually like their musical. The yeah. But yeah, I think it is what, what makes them so it, for so long anyway, able to like basically appear on the cut as they, as if they're on the cutting edge which has been kind of their like cross to bear because that only went so far. Like you listen to Octung Baby" and it still sounds like it could have come out yesterday. Like it's so fresh sounding, but now that that doesn't get you as far. Like the being hip to grout rock, like as as timeless as some of that is. They've struggled to maintain their relevance in the last
2: couple decades, I think. They certainly haven't put out as many good records as Bob has in the last uh, decade or so. That's right. Even though they are the yeah, hot Yeah, but commodity. it's funny.
1: It's almost like Bono's kind of like, it's almost as if he is unaware of Kurt Rock and his comments on Connie Plank. He sees him as being the guy who produced Make and Clancy. <laughs> it right. It seems like, really? That's what Connie Plank is? That's your reference point? Hmm. Um, And then, you know, when he comes out and things like, he comes out and he sings Blown in the Wind and he just doesn't know it. He's just never heard of it.
2: Yeah, I didn't know what the hell was going on with that. Yeah, so towards the end, Bono comes out, or excuse me, Bono from U2, according yeah. to Bob. <laughs> Bono. Uh, and he comes out initially on uh, Pillbox Hat, I think, and Bob is singing that song, and Bono's just kind of like riffing on a side mic, like not singing lyrics that have anything to do with the actual lyrics. But at least you actually hear the song, and you know you know what's going on with
1: Bob singing you know, it. But then I think what Bono's he takes a verse, and I think no. what he what he actually sings is a uh, How many times must a must a bomb a bombs man last? How many, <laughs> bombs times man a, how, many, how many times must a bombs man last? How many times must people cry? How many newspapers must we read? Before yeah, we that's go to the sleep? one that, the that newspapers threw, so that fucking That threw me good. for a fucking
0: loop. Was, how many newspapers must we read?
1: Before that, we go to sleep.
0: This is... Um,
2: Incredible.
0: Th- uh, you know, we, when you're talking about, like, well, I'm not going to be, like, a dick and, and like, do something embarrassing in front of Bob Dylan. Um, (laughs) This is really, like, an example of some... It feels fucking wrong to listen to, like, a Dylan concert where somebody is just riffing and, like, doing their own, like, stupid... Improv shtick on top. of How many
2: times must people cry? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, man. No context. To to a
0: certain person who hates Bono, this is like Exhibit A. This is like the the smoking gun of why he sucks or can suck. Corny. The way in in, which he can.
1: He's an easy target, and I don't want to like. I'm not going to fall for that. Um, Right, right. But like, I think maybe sometimes he does. He does suffer from like excessive confidence. That, yes, right. More confidence than he's really got, like look, material to back up. Exactly. When,
2: with you know, do your do whatever you want on your own time, and you know, you two obviously has made plenty, plenty of great records. But when Bob Dylan asks you to come out and play "Blowing in the Wind" with him, <laughs> yeah. and he's Bob just come on? Like, just just take the verse and play it straight and sing "Blowing in the Wind." Don't come up with the worst fucking lyrics possibly imaginable to plug in there on yeah. your own.
1: I mean, <laughs> with, in, with, in fairness to him this was pre like being able to google lyrics on your phone you know he, I didn't, guess that's I, true. he didn't have a smartphone but like he could have you know um maybe, i mean maybe he was just really on the spot he was like asked to do it last minute he didn't know the lyrics he just sings right. and, you know but he could have like um he could have, they could have had like a little conversation. Well, beforehand. you know
0: what else he could have done is he could have just shut up and not, not sung. He could have, that he, when he knew when yeah. he didn't know the lyrics, he could have actually just not sung those <laughs> instead of coming up with his own. Uh, but you know,
1: but I, something I wonder is, you know, at this point, you know, it's like Bob Dylan is, um, he's had his 60s period, he's had his 70s period, he's had his, like, initial wave, and then, you know, he's gone gone Christian, and then Infidels has come out. And that's where we are, is, like, maybe it felt like Bob Dylan was, like, on the way out at this time. Yeah. I think that's... You know, he didn't... Maybe he didn't seem like an enduring force. Presence, yeah, I think...
2: He was, yeah, he was kind of at the end of his rope. I think that's exactly what it was in the 80s, because especially from here on out, like Empire Burlesque comes out the year after this. And I think that's a great record, but obviously kind of a tortured final product. And then from there, just uh, uh, knocked out, loaded, and down in the groove, and Dylan in the Dead. And it's just like the rest of the 80s is just a complete kind of downer up until Oh Mercy at the end of it with uh, our friend Daniel Lanois. Um, But yeah, it definitely seemed like he was a spent force creatively and like there wasn't really much to uh, to look forward to. He's had he's had a longer career since then. than he had from the beginning up until then.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's a. That's that's a pretty weird. That's a pretty weird fact. Yeah.
2: Yeah, because it had only been. 23 years from 61 to 84. And since 84, it's been almost 40 years at this point. It's just the, the length of this guy's career is just like we were talking to earlier, Ken, just the fact that it's still the same guy. It's fucking staggering to me.
0: Yeah. And, and that there hasn't been like a conspiracy theory that he died and was replaced. It just goes to show that nobody's even thinking that right, because yeah. it's, it's clearly the same guy. Uh, nobody else could have, He's still got the, the same energy, the same uh, – it's only intensified is what I mean. It's like yeah. it's, it's it's just become more and more and more concentrated over the years, whereas maybe that's a knock against a certain member of the Beatles who, who, <laughs> has, it, who has it. Maybe not held up so well that like people can look at Paul McCartney and be like, this is not the same man. <laughs> the people actually believe that he was I do I do love
1: that that logic though that like well he's not got shoes on he must be dead.
0: Yeah. Well, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean uh yeah, Bob's just gotten just gotten more Bob over the years. But then there's there's occasional sort of lapses in like what you expect from him like um I mean Chronicles I felt was a sort of a weird um Definitely. It was, it was, it was too, it was too, um, honest Too yeah. Too honest, almost to the point where you're like, what's he hiding here? Why right, is he, exactly. why is he giving us such a good book?
2: Right. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> en- there must be some sort of trick. I'm not picking it up. Oh, what, you, what you is don't know actually- what the trick is. I have to tell you what the trick is. Is there an actual trick? Yeah,
0: the trick is that there's never been a volume two in like 10, 15 years. Oh well, years. sure, yeah. Chronicles <laughs> Volume One. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the trick. Is that you're never going to get another one? It was just a weird <laughs> one-off that was like meant to make you know just that's. I
2: bet. I bet he's got ten more volumes of Chronicles written, and whether or not they ever see the light of day, who knows? But I bet. I bet they're on uh, on the page somewhere.
1: Well, to I, take do, a... I do get the feeling from him that he's, I think he's always producing. I think there's always, you know, cause like that, that video thing that I worked on never saw the light of day.
0: Okay, yeah, when when was that?
1: That was four or five years ago. And when um, was that? So that was, um, I think it was, it was in this like autumn of four, 2016, 2016 or 2017, I think.
0: Wow! I um, wonder what the hell that was for.
1: And interestingly, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't, I, don't, I, I can't break my non-disclosure agreement that I had to sign as a member of staff. Um, <laughs> but I maybe already have, and uh, I'm hoping that I don't get sued as a result.
0: Ten people but listen um, to this show, so I think you're yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, they were doing a lot of material from. Um, they were doing a lot of material from Time Out of Mind which was interesting. Oh, damn. Because I if it was
0: maybe for like a anniversary release or something.
1: Yeah. But it also kind of like, I guess not long after that, they started making, um, uh, rough and rowdy ways. Right. right. And I'm kind of wondering if maybe they were sort of like, cause there's a sort of a similarity between rough and rowdy ways and time out of mind. I think
2: mm.
1: there's a kind of a similar vibe in the, in the records right kind of a little more little more classic bob dylan i suppose he's kind of getting in touch with his kind of like his back catalog and he's getting a little, a little darker in some places
0: yeah. black rider and and not dark yet have a similar sort of angle kind of a
1: noc-
2: there's like a nocturnal vibe to both the records i think they also both end with you know
1: highlands uh which is 16 minutes yeah and, very and similar
0: song uh, highlands and
1: um murder most fell. And they're also very guitar records. You know, there's a lot of... That, sort
0: of like mean, that. That's, that's totally true. You've got the great um, Blake Mills all over that album.
1: Yeah. Like, yep. there's some great stuff. Um, and Charlie Sexton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some great, you know, um, the two of them together is a great sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of similarly like, yeah, guitar sort of classic sounding, I suppose.
0: Yeah, mm. totally. Yeah, I mean I've always felt, and I, I'm not the only one to say this but that um I I mean I'm a huge fan of the last like three records uh Triplicate, Shadows in the Night and Fallen Angels um not in that order but uh there seems to be like something that he gathered from that experience of doing those covers records that he brought back for uh rough and rowdy ways. It it feels like he those records are kind of like a a time spent honing a certain sound or a certain sensibility, uh, which I would call classic or like uh, an interpret, like his muscle for interpreting really classic material that really comes across on that record.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with another, you know, another one, if you'll do, if there will be another one.
0: God, he'll hope do,
1: to. you know, more of the same, or if there yeah. will be, if he'll kind of go in a different direction.
2: Him selling his entire song catalog made me kind of nervous on that account. Like it feels like, you know, if you're going to sell your whole catalog, like maybe you don't have plans to keep adding
1: to it at this point. Yeah.
0: Although I mean, he's still. It, he's, it would be a mistake. You to still think got a few that, more years in him. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think we should accept that. that m- that anything he does would, should make logical sense in terms yeah, of I his business point. career, his career in general. Like right. when has that ever been the case?
2: Yeah. I guess if he were financially motivated at all, he would have stopped doing anything, uh, several decades ago because he's a millionaire already, even before his $300 million song catalog sale.
0: Well, I feel like we should get back to the, um, the final stretch here of slain. um, <laughs>
2: I forgot we were even talking about. That's, right,
0: that's right. We're talking, this is finally happening. I mean, uh, I, I I was really nervous for this episode and I feel like, you know, at the beginning I was kind of like, Oh, is this, are we going to live up to the legend that we've really set for ourselves? The bar, the high bar of slain. And I think that we've actually uh, cleared it by the end of this conversation. I think we've, we've covered a lot of ground, even if it's not Irish ground necessarily. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I mean that's another thing to explore is his his kind of um I think he does have a certain affection for the for the Irish.
2: I was saying I said that to Evan too. Yeah, I, yeah. I I was texting with him the other day and I was like, I feel like Bob and Ireland just kind of vibe together some like they're on the same frequency somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Much more so than the the vile English. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, maybe maybe he feels a little more accepted here, or maybe I mean, you know, not to be too um not to be too, too obvious, but you know, he, in his early days, he was a big Irish music fan. Right. Um, he, uh, you know, the Clancy brothers, he was a, he was a big fan of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, the, the folk tradition is certainly, you know, rich in Irish music history in a weird way. I'm almost ashamed to admit, but I feel like as a, a sort of a young Irish person that grew up, not really uh steeped in the irish folk tradition in my family or um you know it, i didn't I, w- I didn't really grow up a part of it some people grow up with irish traditional music as a part of their everyday life and i i didn't right i feel like i almost like came to it through bob dylan which sort of uh i feel it like seems like a strange way to to happen but you know it's the 21st century and everything's fucked up and <laughs> um, your own culture is like exposed to you through like an old man. Um, but uh yeah, I feel like he sort of like in a weird way he there's always there's always been like a sort of a style and like a, a coolness to Bob Dylan that was like when when I was like, oh he's into Irish music. I was like, yeah, Irish music's actually pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob can make any like anything
2: seem kind of cool or like something you want to get into even if you don't have I I, f- I felt the same way about like kind of blues records and stuff like um the stuff that we talked about on a couple of the early cover records or the 90s cover records like I don't know anything about the fucking blues but like the fact that Bob is so literate in it and like pulls from it so so deeply and knows so much about it like has made me kind of interested in in you know learning more about that very deep kind of American his, uh, American music heritage.
0: I mean that's that's kind of one of the most crucial things about why Bob Dylan is important is because it's not just for American uh, fans of Bob that he acts as like a a, a liftoff point, a, 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 like a ground zero for interest in the wider world of music. Uh, Kian, you're like a, another example of somebody who is not an American Bob fan. I mean, it's just he is just like a point of contact for w- music interest. Period. Like all around the world, people look to Bob Dylan and find a deeper interest, a deeper passion for the music that exists. Yeah, and, and or even a
1: better under a better understanding of our own tradition.
0: Yeah, he's he's really like a uh, just an. Uh, an international treasure the rarest of things
1: and there's a there's always a strange i guess it's the gemini quality again where he's kind of a strange mixture of um historian but you know somebody who's never his own voice has not been inhibited by like the weight of history
0: yeah yeah he's adding to the story he's not ashamed to add to it as he appreciates it um
1: yeah but he, but he's like he's such a fan. which is sort of unusual yeah. for like somebody in his position and he's right. continued to be a music fan, you I know, suppose- all throughout his career. He's like still gotten into like new things and being like, Oh, that, you know, Alicia Keys, she's great. Yeah, you know? yeah.
2: I'll I'll put yeah. her in one of my songs. Yeah, imagine like- some other kind of artist doing something like Theme Time, where he just like is a radio DJ and just plays records that he loves, n- none of his own fucking music. Yeah, yeah, you and know so, I- that was
1: another curveball in his like artistic output. Is like there was no reason for him to do. He just kind of did that for like the benefit of like the public. You know exactly. It, it, it wasn't the- and I don't think any anybody got him to do it. He just decided hmm. that it was something he wanted to do. Yeah, it was clearly something where he went to,
2: I guess, what was it, Sirius or XM and was like, hey, I want to, I want to play old blues records on your
1: satellite radio station.
2: And yeah. they just said, like, all right, here you go. Yeah.
1: And came up with like, you know. Um,
2: a great show. It,
1: a great show and, and like uh, arrestingly, um, arrestingly engaging and like. Easy to understand, sort of like snippets of story. You know, he's very—he's very much being the the older guy who's going to tell you the about the interesting things that happened. He's not yeah, being yeah. agey. He's not no, keeping anything for himself. He's being very generous in his. Um, these are some things that I'm enthusiastic about, and I want to share with people.
0: Yeah, and the tone of of theme time is so it—it um, it really hits that sweet spot, which makes you think. You know, maybe that's always there, and it just depends on sort of. The circumstances, which can't be ignored of like the extremely taxing circumstances of touring and doing doing this live versus doing it on your own time in a studio. like maybe his his attitude, I think overall, just judging on the the fact that he's still doing this and looking at his career, it's pretty clear that he's interested in bringing stuff to the people and doing and being an entertainer. And he still is committed to doing that um, yeah, I mean I think, all else.
1: I think he has to keep himself hidden or keep a part of him hidden or keep him, a part of him safe in some ways. You know, he's got this kind of like, um, sometimes he, uh, I almost wonder at the theme time thing, if he's like playing the character of the radio DJ as a means of keeping himself safe. Right.
0: Which is very understandable. He he is playing a character on that show for sure. Um, Yeah. Which it's also interesting to think of theme time in relation to uh, the the latest track of of Murder Most Foul, because that song features obviously a lengthy uh, digression where he just basically uh, is listing off these classic radio hits um, in the context of uh, the uh, the classic radio DJ um Wolfman Jack. Wolfman Jack, yeah. And he's sort of he's playing Wolfman Jack on theme time.
1: But he's but he's also like getting a little truther on it. Like he's kind of um I think there's a, <laughs> there's an there's a kind of an, a conspiracy theorist that comes across a little bit on um up and rowdy ways. You know the he's the I guess he's also gotten he's a little older now. He doesn't have too much to keep safe anymore.
0: Yeah. He's yeah. Kind
1: of like, um, throwing it all out there, you know, with the, the JFK conspiracy. Yeah. The line, uh, on, is it my own
2: version of you? I think, uh, where it, like, um, the, um, the enemies of all my, uh, where the enemies of all mankind dwell, uh, Mr. Freud with his dreams, Mr. Marx with his axe, um, and just it, categorizing uh, Sigmund Freud and Karl Marx as the enemies of all mankind is, I, I don't know if he actually believes that or if that's just an artistic flourish, but it's an interesting, uh, it, it, an interesting line that I was not on a little bit whenever I spin that song.
1: Yeah. There's also like a bizarre, uh, a bizarre violence to, to, um, rough and rowdy, rowdy. Absolutely. Ways. It's kind of, you know, um, expressed in the title of the record where it's just this bizarre, like these bizarre, like, um, violent outbursts you know like mm-hmm. i'll take a sword and hack off your arm <laughs> yeah and all I mean, these kind th- of like strange angry like I, it's sort of human in a way his anger
0: that happens on a uh, tempest as well um there's quite a few instances of the this kind of um really uh, uh, yeah rough and rowdy <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I, I i was re-watching the the famous Anthony Fantano review of rough and rowdy ways the other day again, which is, you know, he gave it like a five out of 10 or something. It's just remarkable to watch because it ages like fucking milk. It's just like, (laughs) it's just damn like every time, every time I watch that, I'm just like, you can take a drink every time he just misses the point by a million miles. I, I, and I know, know that you guys
1: probably haven't done rough and ready ways yet. You haven't gotten we, the it.
2: We actually have done. Uh, we did like a quick, like instant reaction kind of one, like a month after the record came out. But we're going to come back to it with a little more, a little
1: yeah. more time. Yeah. What? What? What would you guys go at? Um, out of three, three. There you go. Absolutely three. Yeah, no I'm, I'm a three. I'm a full totally. three for as well.
0: Rider dies three. Uh, best
2: record of the last year.
0: Yeah. And of course, you know, it didn't, it, it another thing, which, I mean, it's bitchy of me to bring up, but it's just like, you know, they gave Phoebe Bridgers four nominations, none of which she won and they decided not to give any to Bob Dylan. It's like,
2: I think Bob would want it that way. I don't think he would even, he, he would care for a Grammy nomination. No, no. I know
0: he doesn't care, but I, I ca- must, that's, I have to care a
2: little bit. That's fair.
1: It's also perhaps one of the, um the, one of the, the, the best works of the Trump era. I feel yeah, like the Trump sure. era has been a little weak on art. music. No, it hasn't been, I think people got a little confused by Trump. People didn't know how to respond to him. Yeah. I think that's a really good
2: point, actually. The, the just, uh, I mean, like it, the whole indie scene or whatever, kind of, I don't, I don't know how much of it was responding to political pressures and how much of it was just one scene kind of collapsing as another one came up, came about, but Yeah, 2017 to 2020 were just pretty, pretty fallow years in terms of like, you know, high quality uh, output from many uh, musicians that I fucking loved for uh, years up until that point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember myself, like when, you know, we're obviously not America here, but we are certainly influenced by and affected by what happens in America, and and I remember staying up late and watching that election and Trump getting voted into power and just being really confused and really like, what the hell is this going to do? And that sort of confusion, it was, a, it was a, an era of confusion now that we've sort of gotten like uh, moved past it, it. It was an era of intentional confusion. Right. Well, and now everything
0: that, makes sense, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, that,
1: now that Biden's here, it all <laughs> back and cozy, it all, all back to square one we've got an irishman in
2: charge and an irish catholic in charge of the united states now we have yeah. a time out of mind
0: president yeah
2: <laughs> your people have taken over this country Ken. yeah yeah
0: the irish are ruling with a completely translucent fist <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay well i think we should get back to uh, the the record just to close it so out the here the slain
2: train has arrived it is it is pulled into
1: the terminus it is time to Time to detrain. Time to wander out. We're all a little drunk. We've just seen a Bob Dylan show. I feel like mm-hmm. going and burning down the police oh. station.
2: Yep. Going to try to swim across the river and and accidentally drown. Oh, we
0: should mention that the this Which literally happened. happened two, not one, but two, two people. Two young men wanted to see this show so bad that they drowned in the river.
1: Brutal way. I, I also realize that this isn't the only time that happened. That some. It, at, at another show, I think in the nineties, I believe it was an REM show. Oh, people Jesus. Tried to, people tried to swim the, the Boine
2: and don't, get in. Don't swim so the they, boy. That's, it. that's, that's the first rule they teach you in slain. Never swim the boyne.
1: Yeah. You're going you're gonna to set yourself up for failure.
0: Never swim the boyne. Do you know anyone who's ever been to Slane?
1: Well, you know, this is the thing that I, I think I probably do. And, under more um i was kind of hoping to speak to a friend of mine who's a little older and may have who's kind of this band called the the Flack Cowboys who are an irish band mm. who i think opened for bob a couple of times and we're sort of in the sort of um came a little close to that world um and i was hoping to speak to one of my friends about that about this show but I couldn't get in touch with him It's a little um, Everybody's a little Isolated at the moment it's hard to That's
2: the world we're living in
1: Yeah but um, Yeah I mean he certainly Bob certainly does have that affection for the Irish And Paul Brady was at this show He's a big Paul right. Brady There's man. There's
0: pictures of them together and there's a few videos of uh, Dylan talking about uh, I think he mentions Paul Brady and there's definitely some photos Of them together Paul Brady is one of the most Irish-looking people I've ever seen. <laughs> sure is, yeah. Great, he you know like he, a, he's so Irish he looks like a ghost.
1: He he um you know he had that great great period in the mid seventies with the um you know he did Arthur McBride and he did the
0: a, a song covered by Dylan.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know he was Dylan was clearly enthralled to him to some degree. Those are a beautiful boy, voice, Paul Brady, and then Paul Brady kind of sort of took a similar um, direction to 80s Bob Dylan, where he kind of got a little more, a little slicker. Um, a little too slick. A little too, possibly a little too slick. And is it a, he has an album. Uh, I believe it's, um, what's it called? Um, Hard Station.
0: Hard Station.
1: Yeah, which <laughs> is his, like, kind of his... um. It's kind of his slain show. Fantastic! Must be awesome. It's kind of good. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's like got that kind of like everybody's pepped up. It's the eighties. We're kind of like excited about life, sort of sound. Um, and uh, yeah. He he. Um, but yeah, and I think Bob Bob's just maybe like a little more open to the Irish. He's a little more um willing to be a fan.
0: You mean to say that he's not racist?
1: <laughs> um, well, or the I Irish. Know. I don't know if the Irish are really. I mean, as much as sometimes we like to claim that we've ex- experienced a lot of persecution, the, the first slaves if, <laughs> in in America. Don't know if we really had the worst time of of um, people in the in the world, but um, right. yeah, he uh, maybe you know a lot of Americans have uh, have this kind of a uh, romanticized view of Ireland, which is um, it's always cute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's great when Dylan has that Because that's the, that's the type of people you want to have With a romanticized view of Ireland I think
2: b- Bob and the Irish, just good vibes Bob and the English, bad vibes well, The English, explains we, all.
0: we've discussed The English have a they They have a complex about music Island. You know, it's good when it's good. It means when it's good for the, for the English when they get really into the music and it works out and the vibes are right. It's very intense and it's very like it's full of, full of passion. But sometimes it's just a, it's 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 weird. They get a little too, they get a little too like
1: happy. they start calling them Judas, exactly things like that. But <laughs> you yeah. know, like that level of severity is kind of endearing in a well, way. But sure, so
2: sure.
0: Hundred percent. I don't. I don't know that I'd want to hang out with it, but it's a hundred percent endearing. Uh, in retrospect,
2: yeah. going to the rock concert and calling the artist Judas, like from the Bible, Judas. Come on, maybe man. maybe the
0: the better vibe it, it, that holds up to the, the current moment is is the Irish vibe of just rolling with it. You know, it. I just want to Party just down. want <laughs> to go to Slane and just to see the just to see Bob play his music. Do I do an okay, uh, exaggerated Irish accent or is it fucked up?
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. It's kind of like doing like the, um, well, I say sort of American accent. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, people don't know how to speak up for themselves. You, you sound kind of like a that foghorn, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of like, like an accent that never existed. And if it did, it was like 200 years ago. Right.
0: I mean, it's like the American, like it, it's the accent that the fucking cereal commercial has, you know, what's his name? Lucky, Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which, which incidentally are very hard to come by in Ireland. The Lucky Charms cereal. Really? And if you do buy them, you'll pay like an excess. You'll, I think that I've seen them for sale in shops here for like 10 euro. They like should be much hole.
0: cheaper. There,
1: yeah, but they're imported. They're imported, especially from America, and they're full of full of chemicals <laughs> that we're not allowed have here. Think here, of, I was here. thinking Lucky Charms were just the
2: official breakfast food of the Irish. It was just kind of government subsidy, just provided to all Irish Irish folks across the land.
0: The, the official breakfast of Ireland is is uh, kidneys, is poor kidneys, or kidneys. Mu, mu, whatever the fuck uh, Leopold Bloom has in uh, in Ulysses.
1: Yeah, or maybe like a full, you know, the full Irish is a. What's the, the difference kind of between a full
0: Irish and a full English?
1: Well, it, there there is a subtle difference. Uh, one of which is that the full English, typical of the English perversion in life, um, <laughs> is that they have beans. Okay. With, uh, with
0: their, no bea-
1: their no beans, no beans in their, Ireland breakfast. Which, as far as I'm concerned, you know, in the morning, mornings are hard enough as as it, as it is. Sickos. Um, right. Um, and so the the full Irish would would typically have no beans involved, mm. and um, I mean I've I've experienced breakfasts in England where they have French fries, mm. they have chips. That's fucked know, which up. Like that's a th- there's a whole day ahead, you know. Don't that's lunch. You're having lunch now. Well, you know, the, it, it came out of a
0: time in England where you woke up, you ate that, and then you spent your whole day um, digging a moat that then some Lord smacked you in the head and you, you fell into the moat and you died and you were buried. That was what you did every day.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and then there's also in Ireland, there's the the black pudding. You've got the the blood sausage, the blood. Yeah. Right. Which, uh,
0: very international. There's a version of it in a lot of different countries.
1: Yeah. And then there's white pudding as well, which I'm not entirely sure what's in that, but, um, it's white.
2: It's the duality, the duality of man, black pudding and white pudding
1: <laughs> together. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, <laughs> it's like the yin and the yang. Just like Bob, you know, it's the Gemini of oh, exactly. foods.
0: Exactly. I want to throw in here that uh, there's while we're talking about foods and different comestibles, there's Tupelo honey. You get a bonus Tupelo honey on here because Dan oh, yeah. throws that into the mix. That's nice. Which is just great to hear, you know.
1: Yeah, Van seems like he's having a good day that day. You know, they're, they've they been hanging out for the afternoon.
0: Van's having a good decade, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: I always kind of wonder about Van. Like, he's got some, he seems like a kind of an uptight guy. He's got some issues, I'd imagine. But he seems like when he's having a good time, I'm happy. I like I like to see Van having a good time.
0: On the contrary, I think that he's not an uptight guy. He's only uptight when he's not allowed to have a good time. That's why he hates hey. lockdown so much. He's so right, pissed yeah. that he can't just have a good time.
1: Yeah, he just wants to have a good time. He just wants what do you the... think he wants to do that he's not allowed to do during lockdown again, Oh, just so. to
0: just to play live. I think he's just itching. He's very frustrated that he can't just like go and yeah. play play the blues, play play rhythm and blues, <laughs> play that old rhythm and blues. <laughs> That's like what 90% of his songs are about these just days. Just like, I want to play that rhythm and blues.
1: Yeah. he he. And then he he's always had sort of weird stage fright as well. So he's kind of had a complicated history with uh, performing. And,
0: and yet he pushes through and he, he always just, delivers.
1: He I guess he's just, you know, for people, artists of that generation and age, what else are they going to do with themselves at this point in life? They just got to yeah. keep
2: doing it. It's all he Can't knows. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. That sounds like you know, a, wonder, a fan song Bob right there.
1: Doing during the lockdown.
2: I think Bob has been just hey, there was actually an interview with him uh that came out right around the time of Rough and Rowdy Ways in the New York Times uh that Evan and I always like to reference where, where Bob coined uh his his on the level. Keep mindset. it on the level, yeah. Uh that's his key to living long is just keeping it on the level, according to him. Uh, but it sounds like he's just hanging out in Malibu in his mansion, just like vibing, like looking at the ocean every day, probably like doing some some um, ironworking and stuff like that. And oh, yeah, he
1: had his sculptures that he is his gates and his sculptures. Mm-hmm. exactly. Does he he's still just, paint? Uh, yeah, yeah he, I, he does still paint. Yeah, he does. He's a man of many talents, he contains multitudes, I would
0: say.
2: That's I've heard that somewhere.
0: You got leopard skin pillbox slain. You got tombstone slain. Then you've got the slain. there are changing. And finally you close out the whole set
1: blowing with, the with blowing yep. in the slain. It's really, it's a shame that that was the very last one, you know, after two and a half hours that they had to finish like that. <laughs> yeah. You think that
0: they would, uh, they would have done maybe more of a crowd pleaser instead
2: of <laughs> go out on new pony or
1: yeah, they uh, were just, they were just chanting for it. And he refused. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, well, I, I, guess it's that time Do I don't know. Do we want to give this a three, a three star? Do we want to, do we want to give it the one to three treatment? Are we even going to review the
2: slain? I feel show, like it's hard to it,
1: really give a verdict given it, that we weren't there and we don't have an, we don't have a, a proper document of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, as opposed to Iron White, where I think, right. White, I, I think we can't on, do uh,
2: some not not particularly high fidelity recordings on this one, so we can't really judge the vibe. You know, spiritually though, it's a three. Like, st- come on, it's slain. It's three stars. Well, <laughs> it's slain. Yeah, it's it's the three most yeah,
0: out of three yeah. slains. I will just say I –
2: mean, That's right.
0: In it my gets mind's three I, I was there.
1: Me. I had a great day. I'm a little too drunk. I'm not sure where I'm sleeping but well, I don't care. It's been a brilliant summer's day. So it's three for me as well. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. And in my mind, uh, I, I, we have to give it three uh, out of three, some things because, um, or at least two out of three for the souls who lost their lives, <laughs> trying to get
1: to this show. May they rest. Were they, uh, were they trying to get to the show or were they just like, they were, the the show, they were trying yeah. to get really? to the show. They were trying to get to the
0: show. They, they were trying to, I guess without paying, they wanted to just cross this river, the Boyne, and they, uh, sadly, they passed away. They fell into the the dark, deep waters of Slane.
1: And I'm sure Bob would have let them in if he knew that they cared that much. Certainly.
0: Certainly, if you just went up to Bob and you said, I'm willing to risk my life to see this show.
2: I'm going to go drown in this river unless you let me come in.
0: Or maybe he would have just given that that nod, saying like, "Please don't do this to me." <laughs> Kian, it's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you so much for joining us, Kian. Do you have anything that uh, that folks should be aware of? Have you been recording or writing or anything in this whole like fucked up year? So I have. A, a,
1: a, I'm slowly working on a record, but I have been saying that to anybody who asks me for I don't know what two or three years now. So, um, as right. to when I will pull the finger out and finish it, is any yes? <laughs> uh, so I don't have any products to promote. I'm just um, I'm just a person passing through life these days. Yeah.
2: Fantastic. And you
1: know, appreciating, loving every minute.
0: That's a good it's a good way to be. Terrific.
2: Well, folks, there it is. In all its grandeur and glory. Slain.
0: Slain, slain, slain. Joker's like
2: How many times must the last? How many times will people